Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to Bible Study Live today. Uh, today, we're going to wrestle with uh, an interesting little passage in John chapter 5. I think it's a pretty fun one, actually, and, uh, and I'm super excited to dig in on this. So um, this morning, uh, before I get started, a couple things, I guess. I just want to try to remember to say these every time. But uh, the whole purpose of Bible Study Live isn't to... Uh, isn't to sell you on a perspective. Obviously, I believe what I believe, and I would hope that you would, you know, come to believe at least the same core things, right? One God. Jesus is the way. Um, but really, my goal is to create a conversation without condemnation. I want to get, I want to encourage people to say, man, I, I want to learn more about who this Jesus is. I want to open my Bible. I want to, I want to wrestle with this, and I want to really experience everything God has for me in this life. And so that's why we do Bible study life. Um, so uh, I, I'm going to read from the scriptures this morning. I'm going to wrestle with a few things out loud. Some you may agree with, some you may disagree with. We're not going to agree on everything because nobody gets everything right. And that's okay. But what we won't do is argue about it. Okay. Um, but what we can do is have a great dialogue about it. So if you got questions, if you say, hey, you know what? Uh, this thing that you're talking about, I, I don't know. I don't know if I align with that. I got a question about that. How could that be when, when this is this? Uh, throw it out there. Drop it in the comments. Ask the questions. Let's wrestle with it together. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the scriptures talk about it and, and, and iron sharpens iron. So uh, I think, you know, pushing back and wrestling with stuff is a good thing. So feel free to do that. Uh, but without further ado, oh, also, hey, drop a comment. Tell me where you're watching from. It'd be cool cool to know uh, who's watching and where from. But without further ado, let's look at John chapter 5, which I think, like I said, I put in the comment, John chapters 6. I think I typoed it. <sighs> Anyways, here we go. Let's read through this. We're going to read through uh, John chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through uh, 14. And uh, actually, we're going to read all the way through but these are two separate sections. So we're going to read through verse 15 first, and then we'll read these last two afterwards just to, as a way to kind of wrap things up. But it says, After this there was a Jewish feast, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was a man in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool called Bethsatha. Let's just look at this really quick in Aramaic. Uh, some say Bethsatha, others say Bethsaida. Uh, okay, just talking about the lang linguistics of it all uh, in Aramaic, which has five covered walkways. A great number of sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed people were lying in these walkways. Now, a man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. I want to read the footnote on this because I always find this funny. Who had 38 years in his disability. When Jesus saw him lying there and when he realized that the man had been disabled a long time already. Ooh, what did he realize? Or when he knew is the other word. Okay. That the man had been disabled for a long time already. He said to him, do you want to become well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. When I'm trying to get into the water, someone else goes down there before me. Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Immediately the man was healed. He picked up his mat and started walking. Now that was a day, that day was a Sabbath. Let's wrestle with this for a second, okay? I'm going to talk talk about a couple things here, okay? So there's this Jewish feast. Jesus is in Jerusalem, and there's this pool, Bethsaida, Bethsaida, however people want to say it, 
It's got these walkways, and it says there's a number of people. So there's a whole bunch of people there. But for whatever reason, Jesus had an encounter with this guy, right? Like there was a reason that this guy and Jesus had this encounter. Now let's look at the encounter, though, because there's something pretty amazing that stands out to me here that I want to I wanna look at. It says, there's a man who, was, uh, who had been disabled for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him laying there and knew that the man had been disabled for a long time, he said, do you want to become well? That has always struck me as an interesting question. I, I mean, the guy from the outside looking in, ugh, sorry, from the outside looking in, the guy's by this pool that's supposed to bring healing. So does he want to get well, right? I mean, it's an interesting question. Like, it, it's almost like I, I've heard some people go, well, that's kind of a mean question for him to ask. Like, of course the guy wants to get well. That's why he's by the healing pool. If you don't understand the um, the legend behind this pool, um, there was a belief system. I think it actually it's outlined in one of the other Gospels, but that, like, a, an angel would stir the water, and that's what would give it this healing power, Right. So that was kind of the belief system that folks had was like, if I can get in this water when an angel stirs it up. Now, we don't know if it was a, a natural spring or, or what that actually stirred the water. But the belief was, man, if I, when the water stirred up, if I can get someone to put me in it, it's going to heal me. So there are a couple of things with this that just come to mind when I look at that situation. Number one, it seems almost like they were putting their faith in what an angel could do maybe right because an angel supposedly stirs the water or they're putting their belief that it was it was the stirred water itself that brought healing and part of why it seems obvious that that was the belief is because when jesus says do you want to become well how did the guy answer him it says the sick man answered him Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. When I'm trying to get into the water, someone else goes down there before me. So the man says, look, Jesus, do you want to be well? He goes, sir, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool when the water stirred up. So the man believed the stirred water is what brought him healing. But there's something interesting there. The man had belief that healing was possible. He believed he could be healed, but it seems to me that he was putting his belief in the wrong thing. Like when I read this, I'm like, well, the man doesn't say, you know, I try and get in the water because that's how I know God works. And God, God put, you know, shows favor to those who get in the water. It was interesting. The man just goes, Jesus, like, do you want to be well? And the guy goes, I don't have anybody to put me in the water when it's stirred up. It seems like Jesus is trying to get the guy to believe, look. It's not the water that makes you well. It's God. Have faith that God can bring you healing. Like when, when he, it's interesting because when he asks the guy, do you want to become well? Like that's a very interesting question to me. And sometimes, sometimes I, I even have to ask that to myself, you know, like when I'm, when I'm trying to, and I mean, when I talk about wellness, I'm talking about physical wellness. I'm talking about uh, emotional and spiritual, you know, if you have temptation that continues to just plague you or, or a physical ailment, like I have a, a umbilical hernia. It's annoying um, that I spray for healing on. 
but it's interesting because it's like, do you want to become well? I think this man for 38 years has, he's become accustomed to being disabled. He's become being sick, being broken. It almost seems like by now it's become part of his identity. Like he's decided I am, I am a, a paralyzed man. I am a sick man. I am a, an unhealable man, right? Well, an unhealed man. Now, he seems to believe that healing is possible, but it's like, I just want to pause and say, like, how many of us have, instead of believing that God could bring us healing, how many of us, petting my big old Great Dane puppy over here, how many of us say, you know, this is the cross I have to bear. Like, I have this affliction. Uh, I have this bad back. I have this bad knee, I have this hernia, I have this addiction, and, and it's my cross to bear. I just have to fight through it daily. And sometimes I feel like we have identified ourselves as that. Like, you know, I have people that I know and love who are like, I've just, I've got mental health issues. I'm, I'm, I'm depressed. I'm, I'm just, my brain's just broken. And I'm not saying that those aren't real issues that real people face. I'm not saying that it's not. Uh, those I think those are real, very real things. Depression, mental illness are very real. And sometimes when I hear Christians say it, though, when I hear people that claim to believe in God say those things, part of me says, man, who's praying for you? Are you praying for you? Do you believe God could take it away? Now, just believing that he can doesn't always mean he will. I want to be clear about that. As we read this story, I just think it's interesting that Jesus' question to the guy wasn't, hey, do you believe that God can make you well? He said, do you want to become well? See, in America, anyway, we've gotten to this point where we're like, if someone's sick, they're brave. And it's like, man, I... Anybody who's sick, my logical thought is most of them would want to be well, right? Like if you're, if you're sick, if you have an illness or a struggle in your life, common sense would say you want to be well. But America's turned into a society where if, if you're hurting and you're a victim, rather than helping you heal, there's something to celebrate in your, in your pain. Let's celebrate your victimhood. And I don't think God ever wanted you to stay that way. If that were the case, why wouldn't he have left the Hebrew people in Egypt and said, hey, celebrate the fact that you're a slave and you should just, you know, hey, high five everybody, living our worst life. But he doesn't always bring healing to people. You look at people like Mephibosheth who, you know, ended up getting jacked up from someone trying to rescue him and what I think tripping and falling down some stairs we see Paul who talks about an affliction he had like God God can but God doesn't always bring healing and I don't always understand why to be honest but here's what I know in this story with the healing of the paralytic it's interesting because Jesus asked him do you want to be well and I want to stop and challenge all of us right now can you think of a time in your life where where he's like, man, I've got this thing going on. And it's like, oh, the doctors can't figure it out. Or 
oh, they're trying, you know, hopefully one day, but this is my cross I have to bear. Have you stopped and genuinely been like, God, I want to be well, and I know you can do it. This conversation with Jesus and the, and the guy, the, the paralytic uh, at the pool of Bethsaida, Jesus says, do you want to become well? But that's not the end of what's interesting in this to me this morning. The way the guy responds is interesting too. He says, sir, I've got no one to put me in the water, in the pool, when the water stirred up. I'm trying to get in, but somebody always gets there before me. So Jesus says, do you want to be well? And, and instead of saying, yeah, right? That's a yes or no deal. Do you want to be well? Yep. Okay, then get up, walk. And he said, do you want to be well? I don't have anybody put me in the water. You know what's interesting? He could have said to Jesus, hey, yeah, can you put me in the water? Like, even, even if, he tr- if he truly believed the water would have healed him. Then when Jesus said, hey, do you want to be well? Why, why didn't he go, yes, can you put me in the water? You look like a strapping young lad. Can you toss me in the pool? But he didn't say that, did he? He said, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. What do you mean you don't have anybody? You got a guy right here asking you if you want to be well. You don't think he could put you in there? I think Jesus asked the question because he knew the answer. The guy had become comfortable in his brokenness. He had become, he had decided, this is, this is where I'm at. It seems as though the guy had come to this point in his life where he thought he would never be well. Because when Jesus asked him, he said, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. But I love how Jesus responds to that. Because Jesus could have said, man, you faithless turd. He could have said, dude, I, here I am healthy. You could have just asked me to put you in, but you didn't. So I guess you're not going to get well. He could have said some some savage stuff, right? He could have said... God helps those who help themselves, right? Which is not in the Bible, by the way. I hate when people say that. Uh, I mean, God does want us to, to use what he's equipped us with to help ourselves. But it's not a scripture verse. I hate when people say, oh, God helps those who help themselves it's in the Bible. No, it's not. But Jesus did say something after the guy says to him, look, when I'm trying to get in the water, somebody goes before me. And Jesus says, stand, pick up your mat. Immediately, it says the man was healed. He picked up his man and started walking. Now, this whole actual interaction has got so many lessons. The, the actual story is about something taking place on that Sabbath, a day where you're supposed to rest, you're not supposed to do anything, and we're going to get into that in a second. But I want to focus on the beginning of the story because I think it's relevant to all of us today right now. Everyone can relate to to there are times in our life where we know we are going through it and we say, God, why am I going through it? I just want to be out of this. I just want to stop hurting. I just want things to get better. And we take no action. God, why aren't you helping? Right? And this guy, when Jesus says, hey, do you want to become well? And he goes, ah, there's nobody to help me. It seems like Jesus wanted to point out to him, God has always been right here waiting. And what does Jesus tell him to do? He doesn't say, crawl to the water. He doesn't say, ask me to pick you up and I will pick you up. He just says, get up and walk. Like, if you want it, then do it. Now, I know there's going to be people like, oh, you can't just, like, 
manifest something you want. Well, no, but if your faith is placed properly, I think that we can do much more than we believe we can do. Here's a guy who was laying there for God knows how long, but we know that for 38 years of his life, he has not been able to walk. 38 years, he's had this disability. He has been laying by this pool for God knows how long, wanting to get in the water that he believed had the healing power. And Jesus came to show this man that the healing power had nothing to do with the water. Now, who knows if the other folks getting in, if they truly believe God was the one doing healing and somehow they just connected the dots and felt like, hey, look, the water made me better. Who knows how many of them it was all up here? Who knows? But here's what we do know. That Jesus said, do you want to become well? And the guy didn't say yes. The guy said, I got nobody to get me in the water. So we know that the guy had misplaced his belief of where healing would come from. Where true, let's face it, if this man was healed, it would change his entire life. So this man's belief in where life change would come from was misplaced. And Jesus could have walked off and said, this guy doesn't get it. He could have just been like, Phew. But instead he goes, hey, stand up. Pick up your mat. Walk. When I look at this story, what stands out to me is this. You and I are so much more capable than we believe because of what God is waiting to do for us. See, we don't have to stay sick. We don't have to stay in an affliction. We don't have to stay in a struggle. We've got to stop saying, I've been in this space so long, I'm never going to get out. Imagine 38 years of being in a spot. How much hopelessness would come with that? See, I'm not faulting the guy for feeling like it's never going to happen. Because I can relate. I've been in those spots. I mean, COVID killed one, uh, the only business income I had. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm a, I'm, I was supposed to get married five months later, which we still did, of course. But, but like, I, like, I'm supposed to get married in five months, and now I, my whole entire income was just wiped out. Like, what is going on? I felt like there was no recovery in sight. I felt like there was nothing that was going to heal the situation I was in. So I can relate to his hopelessness, and that was just being in it for a few months and freaking out. But here's a guy that 38 years, how, how depressed must he have been? How sad and broken must he have felt? Man, maybe you've dealt with some, some depression issues, some mental health issues. Maybe somebody said, you're bipolar. You're manic depressive. Your brain is broken, but don't worry. These pills will fix it. Can I tell you that they may help with the symptoms? But we all know they don't, they don't rewire your brain. They don't fix it. But they do help with the symptoms. And I'm not saying to anybody, don't, please do not take this wrong. I'm not saying go jump off your meds because if you're on them, you're not trusting God. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I think uh, that there are chemical imbalances are a result of a fallen world, and thank God for medication to help bring things back in balance. What I am saying is this. When you're in balance, are you praying and asking God, hey, would you take this affliction from me? Would you please take it away, God? Help, help, help wean, wean me off this. Help, help, me, help me not need my medicine. Maybe it's a physical ailment. Maybe you've got a, a bad back. A bad leg, uh, something physical. 
I just want to, I want to ask you whether it's mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, I want to ask you the same thing Jesus asked the guy in the, by the pool. Do, do you actually want to become well? Do you believe that that's even possible? Do you believe it's possible? Sometimes we, we give up on wanting to be healed because we just give up on it being possible. Or we convince ourselves that God's got more important stuff to do. Can I tell you there's nothing more important to God than you? And God isn't limited by saying, well, Matt's important today, and Dara's important tomorrow, and Susan's important the next day, and Mike's important the next day. God looks at all of his children and simultaneously says, you are the most important thing in the world to me. The lesson that I learned as I wrestle through this pool situation is, first, this guy spent 38 years, and the story t- seems to make it, you know, based on him going, hey, I, you know, I've been waiting, and no one, he's been there a long time. Okay, he's been paralyzed 38 years, but here's what we know. For a long time, he's been doing the same thing and hoping for a different outcome. In modern-day language, we call that insanity. When you do the same thing over and over, you expect a different outcome. That's, that's called insanity, right? Same, same action equals same outcome. Laying next to the pool won't get you better. Making excuses for why you can't won't get you better. Jesus said, do you want to be well? And he gave Jesus all the reasons why he could not be made well. And with a word, Jesus made him well. Get up. Take your mat. Walk. What word does God need to speak into your life for you to have the confidence to get up? Because here's the thing. Jesus saying, take up your mat and walk is one thing. That is Jesus showing the willingness to bring healing and restoration. But you know what it also took? It, it, that man had to have the courage to believe that it could work for him. See, Jesus could have said, take up your mat and walk, and we could have run a completely different story. Could have said, the man said, how could that make me, how, how can I walk? My legs don't work. Guy could have said, I can't walk. That's why I'm laying here. And he could have had fully functioning legs, but laid there the rest of his life because he had decided he couldn't get up. And walk. But when Jesus said, get up and walk, the man got up. Friend, what words are you waiting for from God? Can I encourage you? Open your Bible. You might just find those words inside it. You might just find those words of encouragement from Jesus. You might just... Whatever it is, you might say, I'm irredeemable. You might just find those words that say, all have fallen short of God's glory. You might find those words that say, it's not God's will that any should perish. You might find those words that say, for God so loved the world. And realize you're part of that world that God loves. You might just find that passage that says, nothing can take you out of God's hand. You might just find that passage where Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life, and not just life, but an abundant life. See, some of us are waiting to hear the words from God that say, you're, you're good, you're better, your life's turned around. 
but we're not even opening the book to find them. And some of us open the book to find them, and then we go, yeah, but those weren't meant for me. When are you going to, when are we going to just take up our mat and walk? See, that guy, he believed in that moment that the words out of the mouth of Jesus were true. Because when the guy said, when Jesus said, take up your mat and walk, the guy did it. See, I think we run into the same problem that Peter ran into uh, with the Bible study live I shared last week, Friday. Uh, when Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Do you agape me? And Peter said, I phileo you. Like, I approve of you. I like you. See, Jesus is asking a specific question. And sometimes we're given an answer to a completely different question. We're given an answer that we're not giving them the answer that we know is the right answer for our lives to be changed. Do you want to be healed? I don't have anybody to put me in the water. That's not what he asked. Do you love me? Mm, I like you, Jesus. Friends, we've got, uh, we live in some crazy times right now. And I know there is a temptation to, there's this thing in our culture like we don't want to celebrate goodness because then somebody else might feel bad. But have you ever thought that maybe when, when we trust that God could do good things in our life, it could be an encouragement and an inspiration for somebody else to say, look at this great thing God did for me. Look at this cool thing God did in our lives that it might encourage someone else to go, God, I saw what you did in their lives and I just want you to do it in mine. Well, none of it can happen if we don't have a conversation with God. What happened in this moment with this man by the pool began with a conversation. Jesus initiated a conversation with him. He's initiating the conversation with you. The question is, will you continue to dialogue with him? Will you answer him? And will you actually listen with the intent to understand? Listen, none of us are going to get it all right when we're reading the scriptures. And there are going to be a lot of things we don't understand. But are we even listening and are we trying to understand? Now, the story doesn't end there. Because sometimes when God does good things in our life, people don't respond well. Matter of fact, sometimes they try and poo-poo all over it. Verse number 10 says, so the Jewish, all right, so the man took up his mat, immediately started walking. This was the Sabbath. Now, carrying his bedroll on a Sabbath would have been considered doing something work-related, which was a big faux pas. Verse 10, so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and you are not permitted to carry your mat. But he answered them, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. They asked him, who's the man who said this to you? Pick up your mat and walk. But the man who had been healed didn't know who it was, for Jesus slipped out since there was a crowd in that place. After this, Jesus found him at the temple and said, look, you've become well. Don't sin anymore, lest anything worse happen. The man went away and informed the Jewish leaders that Jesus was the one who made him well. Let's look at these two things. Uh, translation, stop sinning is sometimes suggested, however not likely, because that's present tense, prohibitions, yada, yada, yada. Okay, I'm just curious what that footnote was and Jewish leaders, uh, Jewish authorities. So let's pause on this really quickly. We're going to do this real quick. So this man is healed. I would imagine if he's been there for any length of time you know this small community would have known this man they would have known he couldn't walk and now 
the religious leaders see him walking. What's the first thing? They see a blessing in his life. And of course, they're like, yes, let's celebrate. Wait, no, they didn't. They were so hemmed into their religiousness that instead, it said, they said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. You're not, you're not permitted to carry your mat. They were looking for the, for, for, it's like they weren't looking to redeem people. They were looking to break people. They were looking for reasons people weren't worthy. So sad. And how the man responds is interesting too. Well, the man who made me well, notice that. The man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And they said, who is it? But he didn't know. And then it's interesting. Jesus sees him and is like, look at you. You're all better. You don't sin anymore. Unless anything worse happened to you. So it's interesting because Jesus does seem to make a very direct correlation with our sin having consequence, right? Don't be apart from God because worse things happen, right? It's interesting because Jesus didn't say like, don't sin anymore or I'm taking back the blessing. We can, we can wrestle with this lest anything worse happen to you. But I, it seems to me that it's not like a, you were paralyzed because you did something wrong, but more of a, if you thought things were bad because of a physical ailment, stop sinning. Don't be apart from God because being apart from God, way worse things happen. And there are consequences in our life. Look, you drunk drive and you get in a wreck. There are consequences. Tell a lie. There are consequences. Steal consequences. Hurt somebody consequences, right? There are consequences to everything we do. And I love it just because Jesus loves people and heals people. Sometimes folks think, well, that means like he doesn't, you don't, you don't rebuke or correct someone you love. Yeah, Jesus did. Jesus loved everybody. And you know what Jesus said? Hey man, by the way, it's good to see that you're healed. Actually, he just goes, look, you're well. Don't sin anymore. Lest something worse happen to you. Okay. And what does the man do immediately after? And this, I don't know his motivation. Maybe he's just scared of the Jewish leaders. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus helped this man experience healing. Jesus did something good in his life. And the next thing the guy does is what? He goes and it's more important to him that the religious leaders are satisfied than to, like, we don't see this man praying to and praising God for what had been done in his life. That's kind of heartbreaking to me because I'm going to tell you, and without naming names, but this makes me think of some, there's some moments of my life where I've done the same thing. God has blessed me. And I'm like, yes, thank you, God. This is awesome. And then I go right back to living my life. But I've got people very important in my life, people I love very much, who I've seen God bless them and then watch them months later, a year later, living in ways that they know are completely opposite of God. Supporting things completely opposite of God. After seeing God come through in miraculous ways, like God has come through in so many miraculous ways in my life. And I know I've done the same thing. So I'm not, I'm not mad 
at these friends or family members or acquaintances that I know that I've seen this happen to. But being on the other side of it, when I look at it, my heart breaks because I'm just like, I, I don't think I don't think we fully realize what we're doing when we do that. This man just got healed by Jesus. 38 years of his life, he has spent laying down or sitting down, not having the ability to walk or dance. And he's healed at a moment. And he uses his legs to go tell on the man who told him, you're healed, pick up your mat. He used the gift given to him by God to bring condemnation to somebody else that to me is heartbreaking how many beautiful things has God done for us in our lives that we then don't use to bring more beauty to the world now it's interesting because this guy's action had a consequence and not all consequences happen to us all the time hence uh, sin hurting generation to generation Verse 16, now because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, doing these things, let's see what it says for these things. I'm sure the screen does. Plural of these seems to indicate Jesus healed on the Sabbath more than once. We've seen this in the book of Gospels, for example. Now because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began persecuting him. So he told them, my father is working until now, and I too am working. And, uh, other translations and other things say basically like um, this just talks about Jesus' response to religious authorities breaking the Sabbath, calling God his own father. This ticked them all off. Um, other uh, other gospels and other translations, paraphrases say like, you know, God works right through the Sabbath and so do I. My father, God, uh, he doesn't stop working just because it's the Sabbath and I don't stop working either. So anyway, so he told them, my father's working until now and I too am working. For this reason, the Jewish leaders were trying even harder to kill him because not only was he breaking Sabbath, but he was also calling God his own father, thus making himself equal with God. All right, let's land this plane. Let's bring it home. A couple lessons that I'm taking away from this story. One, that when when God is asking us a question, let's listen with the intent to understand and let's answer. See, there is a depth to Jesus' question, do you want to be made well? The depth of that question that we get to learn from is this, that sometimes we need to recognize that we are living in a hurt we don't have to live in, and all we have to do is make the choice to get out of it. Um, I, I was I had the honor and privilege of being part of the jail ministry here in, in White County, and um, and it is, it is such a blessing and, uh, to go in and, and uh, pray with these dudes, uh, pray over these dudes, but also... Um, to be able to to chat with them like briefly after each little service on Wednesdays uh, mornings and um and and last week this was an important thing when I was talking with the guys and like you know there are all these twelve step programs and celebrate recovery and all of them have one thing in common right aside from the fact the goal is to like help get you get you better to some extent right but there's one problem I always have with twelve step programs hi I'm Matt I'm an alcoholic. Man, what if you did all 12 steps, but you're still identifying as this thing that you don't want to be? No, you're not that anymore. And even Celebrate Recovery. I've got friends in Celebrate Recovery, and God bless that program. Man, I'm so grateful 
that there's healing being brought to people. But there's one problem I have with it. It's like, it's not finding healing in God. It's finding partial healing in, in a program. It's not finding total restoration. Why? Because every time people come to celebrate recovery, they're supposed to come with like, okay, now what's your new broken thing? What's your new problem? And it's like, and I don't understand how that fits with a, a life of abundance and, and, a, and a God who restores and redeems. See, eventually, and I think this is the first thing I learned from this today, is eventually we have to realize that God comes to us going, hey, do you actually want to be healed? And that could be in every aspect of our life. Do you want a, a restored and redeemed life? Are you walking in a sinful path? You're, you're struggling with alcohol addiction? You're struggling with, you're sleeping around with a whole bunch of different women or men, Right? How many of us can relate to these things in a time in our life, a season in our life when we made bad choices, where we were wasted all the time, we were uh, promiscuous, just all these things that lead to guilt and shame. And God has been saying to us from the beginning, do you want to walk? Do you? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Or are you happy living in the shameful brokenness of your life? That's the first thing I think we have to look in the mirror and say, do I actually want a changed life? I think we're honest. Sometimes the answer is no. We're like, no, I'm not ready yet. I don't want my life changed. Because even though I've got all this guilt and shame, I'm not ready to face it. But can I encourage you and say, Jesus died on the cross to take that away from you. He's been waiting for you to give it to him. You don't have to carry it. See, all you have to do is face it for a moment and say, God, I don't want to be this way anymore. I want to walk with you. I'm ready to get up. I'm ready to get up off this dirty floor. I'm ready to get up off of this broken life. I'm ready to get up off this, this, this brokenness I'm feeling. I'm ready to get up off this shame. I'm ready to get up off this regret. I'm ready to dust it all off of me, and I'm ready to walk. See, first we've got to ask, do I want to be healed of the life that I've been living? Sometimes we don't even, we've been in the life so long, we don't even think we need healing. Sometimes we've been living in a sinful situation so long, it's become normal. We don't think there's anything wrong with it. But the reason that we don't recognize it is probably because we're not really in God's word. I love you. I want to encourage you. Get in the word. Get in the word. I love Joel Osteen starts his, his stuff with this. And, uh, and I'm going to end with this. He, he always says, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. There's more. But that's the part I want to leave you with. This is your Bible. You are who it says you are. You can do what it says you can do. God wants to bring you a renewed and restored life so that you will never be the same. In Jesus' name. God bless you. I love that. God bless you.